0: The floor creaks as you inch your way down the hall. You stop and hold your breath as you see a shadowy figure around the corner. You are no longer sure if you're facing a friend or foe. Welcome back. Make sure you know who you're playing with as we talk about semi-co-op or team games. You never know who or what is lurking about. (laughs) Mwahahahaha! Well, enough of the spooks. Let's roll the dice and get this episode started.
1: another spooky episode spooky. uh i'm ashley and i'm ricky because
0: we're really bad at introducing ourselves
1: <laughs> so bad i'm sure you guys know who we are by now because we've introduced ourselves what like once or twice before <laughs> and just uh, haven't <laughs> you know kept up you know you it. know you <laughs> know we know you know, so now we know that you know.
0: Right on. We know you know that we know that you know that we know.
1: <laughs> Everybody knows.
0: But just in case you don't know, now you know.
1: <laughs> so, last time we talked about pure co-op. Now it's sort of co-op.
0: Kind of co-op. Kind of co-op,
1: ups the spookiness factor Ooh. which I kind of like a little bit more yeah because you never know who's what yeah <laughs> huh? never know who's what who's who who's where <laughs> who's why who's how um a, a game we've kind of talked about before that I think fits really well in this kind of category for like a level of Spookiness is Obscurio, you Mm. know, because one person is a traitor. Everybody else is a, you know, wizard in training. It's on a previous episode. I think it fits really well in this kind of theme, too. So another mention for Obscurio.
0: Speaking of traitors, you want to know what my first game is? Tell me. I'm kind of going to lump these together. Is Betrayal. At House on the Hill. There's also Betrayal at Boulder's Gate. Yeah, there is. And Betrayal Legacy. Yeah, there is. So Betrayal at House on the Hill is three to six players and runs 60 minutes. It's by Avalon Hill Games, Wizards of the Coast, Asmodee, and Hasbro. Developers or designers are Bruce Glasgow, David or er, Rob Davio. That's a name.
1: Mm, that's a name. Bill
0: McQuillan, Mike Selinker, and Tuan Woodruff. A lot of names. A lot of names. Uh, Boulder's Gate is made by Avalon Hill Games, Wizards of the Coast, and designed by Chris Dupuis and Mike Merrills. And Legacy is made by Rob Davio. Whatever his name is, <laughs> Noah Cohen, J.R. Honeycutt, Ryan Miller, Brian Neff, and Andrew Bean. So, betrayal games all play similarly, but the theme kind of changes depending on which one you buy. Um, they are tile games. Um, everybody plays like a specific character, and they have like specific. Uh, traits and characteristics and everybody actually starts off on the same team everybody's like it's cooperative and then as you play certain things might set off an event where a trader might come out and then next thing you know it's that player and potentially players against everybody else so it, yeah. it's Pretty interesting.
1: I I like it a lot because you get to make the map as you play, too.
0: Yes. Yes. Uh, It starts off as, like, uh, base. There's some base tiles that you always start out with, but as you, like, go in directions, you are slowly revealing the house, and certain tiles might have, like, event symbols on them where you have to draw from the event deck, or you might find um, like an object or an item, and then um, there's omen cards. And as you deal omen cards, uh, you have to roll dice. And if the number is ever what less than the number of omen cards,
1: it it depends on which version you play with. Okay. It's normally I th- I think generally exceeding like I think.
0: the like if you have like one omen card it's very unlikely that you're going to set off like the traitor aspect of it mm-hmm. okay. but it's possible but the more omen cards you have the more likely it's going to kick off something and then yeah. there's a matrix where you're like if if you have this particular omen card with this particular thing you have to find this scenario and that person becomes the traitor or Somebody else becomes a traitor. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of fun, like, seeing how, like, the stuff comes about on who becomes the traitor. Yeah. And then, um, for Boulder's Gate, it's just a uh, D&D kind of skin thrown onto it. I think they just came out with the Scooby-Doo one. Yeah. So this you'll have betr- Betrayal um, with Scooby-Doo characters instead of random characters. And then... Yeah uh Betrayal Legacy is it's a legacy game so it will start out with a certain scenario um you create the family that you're playing with and as you go on you'll get like maybe heirlooms for your family that will get passed on for generations and generations and it like changes the game as you play and it's kind of a permanent change.
1: Yeah I played a little bit of a legacy game and it was it was really fun I mean if you don't like Betrayal you're not gonna like Betrayal Legacy because it is still the same game but you get to add your own flares to it which that is probably one of my favorite part about Legacy games in general but it's very I like the Betrayal games because it's just um you exploring an area until you set off the the trader aspect of it which i greatly enjoy yeah
0: i've i've actually been the trader a couple times and i don't really want to talk about it too much because i don't want to spoil anything mm-hmm. but one of the ones i ended up doing was i was able to kind of like make other people traders too which was kind of oh, interesting Oh
1: that's that's a fun one yeah. I haven't done that one. I don't think.
0: Well, there's there's a lot. Like oh, yeah. if you play the game, it's I feel like it there's a very unlikely chance of you getting the same one twice in a row Yeah, because there's so many different combinations of ways that you can get one and I think the book goes from 1 to 3 1 to 50. That sounds right. And I th- and then it House on the Hill does have and expansion, which I think is like fifty through a hundred. So if you have the expansion, you have twice as many, mm-hmm. you know, ways of somebody becoming uh, the traitor. So yeah. there's a at least a hundred different scenarios you could possibly stumble upon mm-hmm. and play through with those games. So
1: um, and I do know the um, the Scooby Doo one that just came out is kind of more of an all-ages. I think it's an eaten-up uh, game. Mm. And it is it is nicer because they did make it to where somebody can decide to be the traitor.
0: Instead of forcing somebody. Instead of
1: forcing somebody, which I think is a nice add-on because if you are playing with younger kids, um, you can have an adult take the traitor. Right. So that way the kids can still that be sense. the Scooby gang. Yeah. So, and it's, it seems really, it's really cute, and it is still a betrayal game, um, but they definitely made it a lot more, you know, it's Scooby-Doo based, so it is way more kid friendly, and I think they made it, Mm. you know, definitely more geared towards families. That one's, it's, it's, I've seen it, it it looks really, really cute. They definitely nailed the style of (laughs) Scooby-Doo. There's like... Scooby snacks Scooby, yeah. and yeah. And each each of the, you know, the Scooby gang has their own special abilities that are tied in with their characters too, which is really, it's really nice. I think Daphne has like extra Scooby snacks to start because she always, she's the one that carries the Scooby snacks around. <laughs> hmm. So they just do little thematic stuff like that. That's just really cute.
0: Fun fact. I had a Scooby-Doo room when I was little.
1: (laughs) Did you? (laughs) I love Scooby-Doo. That's fun. Did you have, like, the sheets and everything? Yeah. uh,
0: My bed was all Scooby-Doo. My walls were, like, split where the top half was yellow and the bottom half was purple. (laughs) And then I had, like, teal and orange and purple and stuff different like foam flowers all over the walls or they were painted on the walls kind of a mixture and then um my parents painted a scooby-doo like i had a like a full length mirror on the wall Mm -hmm. and it it made it look like he was like holding the mirror (laughs) so that's pretty cool
1: that is really cool scooby-doo was
0: my jam (laughs)
1: And then the um the Baldur's Gate one is um, I thought it was different enough from regular betrayal that you could have both of them and still have a different game.
0: Yeah, I feel like I think Baldur's Gate lets you go outside and explore like outside where I don't yeah. think the original one does.
1: Yeah, so you can, but yeah, so the difference is you can either be outside inside or in the sewers for Baldur's gate um and i found it the map is slightly it can be slightly smaller i think so you'll run into the trader a lot quicker i felt Mm -hmm. um but it was really cool each of the characters had um different class abilities so like the druid could turn into an animal and the cleric i think gets extra like healing abilities so the theme is pretty heavy D for betrayal at Baldur's gate mm-hmm. which i i greatly enjoyed it because we own that copy but we don't own regular betrayal mainly because we have quite a few number of friends who do so we're like well we'll get the Baldur's gate one I actually got it as a Christmas gift. So it was really nice. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I liked it. I like the the theme of it and I like the style of it and I do enjoy the betrayal game series.
0: Yeah. It's it's fun and like the different stories are interesting once you get the traitor out. So mm-hmm. like what what's going on exactly is always interesting.
1: Yeah, it is. It's always it's always fun, and so until the trader comes out, you're just kind of exploring the house or the city, mm-hmm. um depending on which version yeah. you're playing with, and like you mentioned, like
0: the sooner like you're exploring, and as soon as the trader like you can still explore, but you' tend mm-hmm. to be a little bit more worried about like the scenario rather than exploring, yeah, so kind of like the sooner it comes out, the less you know about like the rooms but the later it comes out the bigger the house gets
1: yeah which can make it you know harder or easier depending on how big or small the house is depending on the scenario and we've only played a few of the scenarios but that's Mm -hmm. when the story really comes out is through those scenarios which don't come until yeah, so. like the last half of the game, which is kind of weird, a little bit, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: But it's definitely got a lot of replayability. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's
1: betrayal. Love the betrayal games. All right, so um, I'm gonna talk about Burke's Gambit. It's when <gasps> What's that? it's a, it's a four to eight player game. It plays about 20 minutes. It's published by WizKids. And it's designed by Robert Yates. So, Burke's Gambit (laughs) is more of a party game with four to eight players. Um, And the point of the game is that you're a spaceship crew. And um, you're coming back from a mission only to find out that one of the crew members is infected with a parasite.
0: Dun, dun,
1: dun! (laughs) You don't know if you are infected, but I believe the person to your right knows if you are infected. So there are some of the players that um, are just members of the crew, and then there are other players who are part of a society that wants the parasite to make it back to earth so they can study it so the regular crew members want the parasite gone but the society members want the parasite to stay on the ship so what happens Mm. is that um on your turn you roll the dice and the dice determine kind of what you can do if you roll the engine symbol that dice goes immediately to the center of the table And can no longer be played and it can't be changed. And that basically implies that the engines are starting back up because they have been um, tampered with. And so they're, you know, trying to get the engines back and going. Um, Each crew member does have a specific role. So like somebody is the captain or somebody is the stowaway or... And each of those characters does have a special ability that will help them during the gameplay. The stowaway is kind of fun because the stowaway doesn't get a vote (laughs) at the end (laughs) Poor stowaway. Um, I believe the captain can break a tie if there is a tie that happens. Um, So each role does have different abilities and I think you can kind of only do most of them once during the game. But once you roll enough of the engine dice is when you vote to kick somebody out of the airlock. And so during the game, you can, you know, scan other players' parasite cards. You might be able to see um, if they're part of the society or not. Um, And you can hurt other players, so you can kill other players during gameplay. And if you kill somebody who has the parasite before the end of the game, the parasite actually goes to somebody else randomly. So the parasite still stays active on the ship. So when you know, you roll enough mm-hmm. engine dice and you're at the vote at the end of the game, the parasite is still on the ship. And then everybody does a vote to determine who gets kicked out of the airlock. So if the parasite, if the parasite gets voted out of the airlock... The crew members win. If somebody else gets um, out of the airlock, the society members win. So um, the way I've seen it played before is that there's a certain number of society members for the certain number of players. So one time there was two society members and somebody else was infected and the infected didn't know they were infected but they thought one of the society members was and so the other society member was like oh yeah for sure they have the parasite and so they they kicked off the one of the society members who didn't have the parasite and so the one society member left won the game because of how the game works (laughs) so you can i mean that's one way to play it for sure for sure and so yeah do you want the society win? I'll, you know, I'll kill myself to make the society win. <laughs> um, but it's kind of a, a little bit of an alien-esque kind of game. Um, so you can make it, like, real spooky and real thematic. We've played it kind of aggressively before. We've played it really goofy before. Um, so it's really fun to get into, like, the theme of it. You don't know who's infected yeah it has the thing vibes kind of the person who's infected doesn't know if they're infected so yeah
0: i think this is the one that i did play and i thought i got it mixed up with the captain who's dead yeah
1: yeah yeah you've you've played this one before
0: but i think we did play this one and like the fact that you don't know what you are can be kind of nerve-wracking because you could be like furiously fighting for one thing Mm -hmm. And then you find out that you're actually the one that's infected, yeah. and you're like, "Oh, oh oops.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah." That's one of that's one of my favorite games. It doesn't get pulled out a lot because you do need at least four people to play it. But when I get it out, it's it's always so much fun to play it. And we when we pull it out, we wind up playing it a few yes. times in a row. So. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. The Gambit getting into space with the spooks.
0: Well, I'm going to bring it back down to Earth with (laughs) Ultimate Werewolf, Deluxe Edition. So this one actually plays more people. This goes from 5 to 75 people. (laughs) And a typical game runs about 30 minutes. It's by Vizier Games or CM Board Games. And it is designed by Ted Alspach, Alspach, Alspeck.
1: Sure. Uh huh.
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: <laughs> one of those things.
0: <gasps> so in Ultimate Werewolf, you have one player who is the moderator, and they're kind of controlling or steering the game. And then everybody else, um, is everybody else has a hidden identity. And depending on how many people, so obviously if you only have five people, probably only have like one werewolf and everybody else will be villagers. But the more players you have, the more different um, roles or characters you can add into the game. Um, So with more people, you could have a seer, which they will know who the werewolf is, but they can't really like just come out and say that they know that that person is. They have to just try to convince the villagers that they are. Um, but they're on the villager team. And then there's a sorceress one. That's kind of the opposite. Like She knows who the werewolves are. But she's trying to help the werewolves. With the deluxe edition. It also comes with vampires. Which adds another layer to the game. Um, I, I don't think we've ever played it with vampires. But we have had a group of probably 10 to 15 people playing and it's actually really fun with the more people you have oh yeah basically with ultimate werewolf um you have day and night cycles uh during the day uh villagers well everybody talks and discusses who they think the werewolf is and they can vote for um somebody and if everybody votes for somebody that person is out of the game And if they knock out the werewolves, uh, villagers win. But if the werewolves can manage to kill everybody, um, they win. And how that happens is at nighttime, everybody uh, closes their eyes or bows their heads or whatever. And the moderator goes through the different people. It's like, werewolves wake up. Werewolves choose who to kill. um, So the... If there's multiple werewolves, they'll look up. They'll kind of, know to tour each other and, like, point at somebody. So then the moderator will be like, okay, close your eyes. And then they'll wake up other characters and they'll do different things. And then uh, the moderator will say, okay, it's daytime. Everybody wake up. And they'll announce who died in the night. And that person is out of the game. They can't talk anymore. And that's when you can start discussion. So it's a very um social talking game. It's a discussion game, debate game. Mm-hmm. It can get kind of heated. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh the moderator we played with was very they they're part of the reason why the game was so fun because they made the stories of how the person died like really interesting mm-hmm. instead of just being like, oh that person died. Be like, oh well this person, you know, walked into, you know, the barn it was viciously attacked and their guts were f- flung everywhere <laughs> so when somebody wakes up in the morning like they discover like this person sprawled out all over the place <laughs> so like they just kind of added a little bit more theme
1: and story to yeah. it yeah that's always a nice added bonus yeah
0: and there is actually like different versions of this game there's like one night uh, werewolf there's uh werewords um and they obviously played differently but they're kind of based off of this game and they're just more like condensed easier versions where you don't i don't think you have to have as many Mm -hmm. people to be able to play yeah but this this is definitely a party game because you have to have at least five people but this is one of those games like the more people you have the more fun and interesting Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's also this character he's called the tanner and he's a character where he actually wants to die. So he's trying to get people to kill him. <laughs> like he wins the game. Yeah. If he dies. Yeah.
1: And then everybody normally knows right away cuz he's like I'm a werewolf and everybody's like no you're not. You're the tanner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always like it's... really depressing being the tanner cuz you're like please kill me (laughs) and
0: everybody's like no
1: it can be a lot
0: of fun if you like allow yourself to kind of get into the theme and like you're not just discussing but you're actually like pretending to be characters like (laughs) I think I was some maiden chick and I was talking in like an accent and I was so worried about my yaks being killed at night (laughs)
1: not my yaks <laughs> please don't kill my yaks I need them <laughs> yeah all like werewolf is just a fun game to play with a really big group it was a game that we played like a lot during high school and that sort of thing and it's a nice you know if you're having a lot of you know mm-hmm. kids over you know if you're If you got kids or something, (laughs) and you're getting, like, a bunch of 10-year-olds together, I'll let the 10-year-olds go ham with this game. Have an adult run as the moderator so the kids don't get too rowdy. I've played this game with kids before, and they just have an absolute blast with it. It's always hilarious Mm. watching their social deduction skills at work. (laughs) You look funny.
0: You're the werewolf.
1: <laughs> but it's it's a good uh, all around game. I like to think it's just I think, it's a big group.
0: Yeah, I feel like it's a good icebreaker game. Yeah, when you have a, lot of, a people, lot of people, and if they don't necessarily all know each other, it's a good way to get them involved in talking to each mm-hmm. other, even if they're accusing each other of being werewolves. Yeah, yeah. Ultimate, ultimate
1: werewolf were- deluxe edition the big one <laughs> Alrighty, righty well i've got a team-based game it's called bloodbound so i was getting really confused when you were talking about bloodborne i was like are you talking about bloodbound <laughs>
0: Nope, <laughs> completely different totally game. different
1: games so Blood bloodbound is six to twelve players and yeah, you need a lot of people for this one. And it runs for about 30 minutes. It's published by Fantasy Flight Games. And it's designed by, I think it's Cal or Cal-A. It's K-A-L-L-E. Um, Krenzer. So the point of Bloodbound is that there are two clans of vampires: there's the kind of Ooh. more sophisticated vampires and then you have the real like animalistic vampires and so the reason that you need like at least six players to play this is that there's always an equal number of clan members and um so each clan has different role numbers um and each role um so like the elders are number one and then You know, the person below them is number two and so on down the line. Um, Some of the characters have a little bit of a special ability. There is one of the roles where, um, because you do look at your person's card to your left and then you can also see your own role card. But there is a special character card where their actual role is hidden from the person looking at their card. Hmm. So they might... Be shown as a um, animalistic clan, but they're actually part of the sophisticated clan. So that's like an added layer. So this is this is really fun when um, all the clan roles can be out because people might get confused about who's from what clan. Um, mm-hmm. So the point of the game is that each clan wants to kill the um, the uh, highest ranked clan member so um because sometimes depending on the number of players the clan elder which is number one is not actually in play but like number two is so their goal is to get rid of the number two um right the way the game works is you stab each other <laughs> with a knife stabby stab <laughs> so <Or> vampires, <laughs> stab each yeah other. so there's um there is a little knife that kind of gets passed around the table So the person, like, if I stabbed you, you would then get the knife for the next turn. Um, Gotcha. And when you stab somebody, they have to reveal some piece of information about themselves. Um, So maybe you'll reveal what clan you're from, or maybe you'll reveal what your role is. um, And if you reveal... um, all three i forget because there's your clan token there's your role token and i think there is there's another token that you use i want to say it might be your ability token that you can use because then each role then also has a special ability um and if you have all three of the of those tokens you die so you get to choose what token you reveal to everybody okay There can also be, like, an Inquisitor who is on nobody's team. He's just trying to be out for himself. And I think he's just trying to – it's been a while since I've played with him. I think he's trying to get – he's trying to kill one of the elders, I think, is his goal. So he has a separate goal from everybody else. Okay. But this this game can get – really fun it can get really intense you you start like stabbing other people and you get to find out what clan they're from or maybe what um what their special ability is and oh does that help tell you what their role number is but they because different roles have different numbers different like hierarchy so like um the same ability in one of the clans could be, like, number three, but in the other clan, that ability could be ranked at, like, number six or something like that. So if you use your ability, they don't know what your rank number is. Right. So, um, spices it up a little bit, um, but it's, it's, um, deduction and it's, um, You know, team-based. You want your team to win, but you're not really sure who's on your team either. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fighting
0: with this guy. Oh, he's not on my team? Oops.
1: (laughs) Um, But it is a really fun game to play. The artwork is... It is good artwork, but it is kind of funny um just the way the artwork is done it's um it's not taking itself seriously but it's done seriously if that makes sense it's just the the way that the characters are drawn is um really fantastic i recommend you check out the, the art artwork on these cards cuz it's pretty fantastic <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is Bloodbound. For being a fantasy flight game, it actually does not have well, I say a crazy number of pieces. Each roll has a token, but it's actually a relatively small box cuz it's like a deck of cards and then a couple bags of tokens. So, it it's not terrible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fantasy flight tends to do more complex games.
1: Yeah. Typically. Yeah. That's Bloodbound. And why I was getting confused when you were talking about Bloodborne.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh I think I'm gonna get away from like hidden roles. Good plan. We might come back to it if we have time. Yeah. Um I'm actually going to talk about one versus many. Ooh. Um, so this is where, like, one person plays the bad guy and everybody else plays the good guys. So that's where, like, your co-op comes in, because you have the one team playing the good guys working together, Mm -hmm. but it's not fully co-op because you are playing against one player. Um, so the one I'm going to talk about is The Others, which is two to five players, Mm -hmm. runs about 90 minutes. It's by Simon and Guillotine Games, and is designed by Eric M. Lang, which I'm sure you've heard all of those things in previous episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the others is actually based off of the Seven Deadly Sins and the Apocalypse, Ooh. which is pretty cool. So the base game comes with two of the sins. I think maybe Wrath, and I can't really remember the other one, Um, but it comes with two, and then there are expansion packs where you get the other Sins that you can play as, as the bad guy. Um, So you'll have, like, um, Acolytes that you kind of send out to do your bidding, and then there is, like, the main actual sin. That You can like move around and do things with. Um, the miniatures in the game are amazing. Like, if you know Simon and Guillotine Games, they created Zombicide. Simon has so many games out there, mm-hmm. and their miniatures are always fantastic. Like, you really can't go wrong with a miniatures game by them. Mm-hmm. Um, But each sin has its own, like, look. And then the acolytes are all kind of, like, mutated people. (laughs) And their mutations are kind of based off of whatever sin that they follow. Um, So the bad guy is basically just trying to, like, kill off the good guys. Mm -hmm. And then the good guys have um specific goals depending on which scenario you decide to play. Mm-hmm. Um so you'll start out with picking a scenario card, which they're different colors, so and the different colors are kinda like levels. So like a red is like hard mm-hmm. and then there's like other ones which are easier and kind of medium. Yeah and they'll kind of set up about, like, what's going on as far as, like, what your goal is and, um, like, different things that might be on the board that could be different. Um, And then on the back, you can actually choose from two different maps Mm -hmm. that you can lay out because they're tiles. Uh, Guillotine and Simon tend to like doing tile-based games. (laughs) Um, So you actually get to choose between the two maps and then you can set it up however it says to. Mm -hmm. So even if you play the same scenario, you can choose a different map and it might play out a little bit differently. Hmm. Um, But then there's different tokens on the board, which some of them are helpful and some of them are harmful to you. Um, There's different types of heroes. So when you're playing, you always have seven heroes with you um and there's leaders bruisers which are like the big bulky guys that can hit kind of hard and then there's snipers that are more like ranged characters and then fixers are kind of like healers and then the leaders are more like just kind of like helping people like do things Uh Um, but you always have seven but depending on how many people are playing Like, you'll each person will get a character, and the other characters will kind of go in a reserve. So, if somebody dies, they'll get rid of their character and pick up one of the reserve characters. Yeah,
1: okay. But if you
0: run out of reserve characters and somebody dies, then you kind of lose the game. Like, that's one way that the good guys can lose Mm -hmm. is if too many people die. But basically, you like roll dice against the bad guys, Mm -hmm. and you like. That's how you, like, hit and punch and block and Mm -hmm. do special abilities and stuff. But there's also a corruption track Mm -hmm. that you can do. And you can, like, purposely take corruption, which can, like, boost your Uh rolls for that turn. But if you get too corrupted, then bad things start to happen. So it's a cool little element added to the game because the more corrupted you are, the more uh, bad things the bad guy can do to you. Uh. So it kind of, like, plays off of that. Like, y- you you, kind of want to take it because you really need that extra edge, but you're also giving more fuel or ammunition to the bad yeah. guy to do bad things <sighs> to you. So it- it's-, it's really cool. It's one where, like... All the good guys go and then the bad guy does something, but he can, like, interrupt people's turns to have things happen. because He's got his own little deck of cards and kind of his own little rules that he goes by. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's very fun, but it can be very frustrating. (laughs) Sounds like it. It's it's a very, I, I really like the miniatures. I could probably talk for a while about the miniatures for the, di- the different sins because then there's like expansions for the sins there's an expansion for um the big bad guy which is actually like a representation of the apocalypse and he's just huge and big and nasty oh. and then there's also like expansions for like the good guys to add more team members I think you can only have, like, so many of certain types Mm -hmm. of members on your team, Mm -hmm. but with the expansions, you can, like, mix and match different team members together, Mm -hmm. so you're not always having to play with the same people. Mm -hmm. But Mm. it's just, it's a very cool game. The concept's fun. Yeah, You can play it two players. The only thing that I don't like about it being two players is, because it's a one versus many, you have one person just playing you know the bad guy Uh-huh. But then you have one person having to to deal with the whole team oh and so you have to make all those kind of decisions by yourself yeah. where the more people you have the more you can discuss strategy and like i just think it's a little bit more fun if you have at least 3 players yeah. i would say i can see that so
1: yeah i get you gotcha. yeah
0: but the the apocalypse and Seven Deadly Sins theme is something that I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. For some, like, and that might sound kind of weird, but <laughs> I, I just enjoy the theme of that game. Yeah. So yeah, the others.
1: The others. So othery. Yeah. Alrighty, well, I've got one more to talk about. It's one I've kind of glanced over before. Talk about it a little bit more here. It's called Dead of Winter. <laughs> it's uh, two to five players, sixty to a hundred and twenty minutes. Published by Plaid Hat Games, and it's designed by Jonathan Gilmour and Isaac Vega. Uh, you can tell by ricky's noises she really loves this game yep totally love it (laughs) (laughs) um so dead of winter is a co-op game but there's a traitor amongst you um but it's during a zombie apocalypse so what a best time to have a traitor against you It really is i I do like this game a lot. I just don't really like the traitor mechanic. I personally don't feel like it adds anything to the game. But the, So everybody does have like a personal goal they're trying to reach, as well as the general goal of the game. Um, there are a couple different scenarios you can choose to play with. And each scenario just kind of has, like, a level of difficulty and, uh, you know, you're going for a certain goal in that scenario. I think one of the basic ones is um, getting a certain amount of gas stock- stockpiled, I think, is one of the first ones you do. Mm-hmm. And so um, the, the trader has a goal that is completely misaligned from everybody else and is trying to sabotage the group which I just don't understand zombie stuff that has just really dumb stuff going on like that I'm like there there is zombies eating people outside and you're going to turn around There's <laughs> enough going yeah. on Cool your jets <laughs> Um But what I do like about this game is that as you're playing the game, it's kind of in real time a little bit. At the end of each round, you're going over how much food you have. Um, Each player has a couple of characters that they're kind of playing as, and they are either fortifying the base, or they're going out and searching different locations for like more food or more weapons or medicine or um, maybe they're looking for more npcs um, but then for the npcs that you get there are more mouths to feed um, but maybe that's somebody's goal is to have so many npcs in the camp but um, the game is really finicky it's got a lot going on in it you got the zombies attacking the base if you're out at one of the other locations um, there's a chance that your searching can attract zombies and so you can have zombies attacking you there um, and then you have random events that happens for every person in every round so after everybody's turn they get a crossroads card um, and what that is, is the person, I think, to their left, reads out a scenario, and then they then have to um, answer the scenario question. Sometimes that radically affects the game. Sometimes it doesn't do too much. There is a um, a crossroads card that, when drawn, um, if at any point during that player's turn anybody accuses somebody of being a traitor um, the game is stopped if the person who is accusing of somebody is the traitor is in fact the traitor they win the game but they win it separately from everybody else so they're like out of the game but they won and whoever they accused of being the traitor whether or not they are the traitor, is, um, exiled. And then when you're exiled, you get a different, um, win condition. You get kind of your own win condition. You get your own thing that you're trying to do. Um, which I've never done it. I've heard that some people like the exiled, um, scenarios. Or or like, um win conditions better than like the trader ones because um, you're not necessarily actively going against the other players as an exiled person but you no longer get the comfort of going back to base I guess so eh, mm. you know you play it on your own um, there are two different versions of this game there is the base dead of winter and then there is the standalone expansion i want to say it's called like i want to say it's like dead of night or dead of night or longest night or or something like that the longest i think maybe the longest night something like that um but it is standalone um but you i think you can play them together because you get different characters i think in one you can have a dog and in the other one you can have a monkey and i think there's like yeah. 30 different I'll- characters or something like that that you can play as also
0: <laughs> with the expansion there is a game mode that you can play that is purely co-op so there is no trader
1: oh that's nice
0: so if if you don't like playing with the trader aspect in the standalone expansion you can play co-op mm-hmm. instead huh. i think yeah. i don't know i've i've tried this game More than once. And it just feels really clunky to me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it kind of depends. Like, there's
0: just something about it where it doesn't really hold my attention. Yeah. Like, it's easy to, like, be like, okay, are we done yet? Yeah.
1: Um, This game, I feel like, is a pretty big hit or miss. There's a lot I like about the game. And I would say that outweighs it enough that I like it. Um, I think it depends a little bit on kind of who you're playing it with, how kind of involved everybody is on each other's turns, sort of thing, because you are cooperative, so you can kind of talk to each other about, oh, we need this thing, this location has a better chance of getting, you know, that thing, so we should go there, but we can only have, like, two people there. So um, there's a lot of strategizing that's kind of going on with it. Um, but I it's a game that you definitely need somebody who's played it before to show you how it's played because it is very 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 chunky and it can be very 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 clunky. The game has a lot of reading on small cards, a tiny font there's just a lot going on there it's it's a big setup so but it's I think it handles yeah. the like zombie apocalypse theme very well, but that's dead of winter. Dead of winter, dead winter. But yeah, I think it hits the uh, zombie theme
0: well. I think my next game I'm gonna talk about is another one versus many, just because I don't feel like we're gonna talk about these a whole lot. So my next one is the World of Smog: Rise of Moloch. Oh. It's by Simon. It's two to five players, forty-five to ninety minutes. The designers are Fel Barros, Christoph Madora, Alex Oltenu, David Rakodo, and Michael Chenal. So Rise of Moloch plays a little similarly to the others where you have a bad guy. Or one person playing the bad guy and then a team of people playing the good guys. Mm -hmm. The theme of this one is kind of steampunk Victorian, which is a very another theme that I very much like and am totally into. Some of like the good guys. um, it, It also has like supernatural and magic in it. No, so like one of the good guys is um, a guy, he's got these big gauntlets and he can make, like, um, light arcs between the gauntlets. Like, he's, like, an electric pyromancer kind of thing. But instead of fire, it's electricity. Uh, I think he's got an actual name, but I can't think of it off the top of my head. Um, And then there's, like, a guy who can, like... um, he's more of, like, spirits. He deals with, like, the spirits and stuff, mm-hmm. but he's kind of got, like, a weird plague gas mask thing on his face. Oh. And then um, uh, there's a, a, a guy who can turn into, like, a werewolf. So it's supernatural. Yeah. All in, like, everything all rolled into <laughs> one. And then there's, like, a like, a fox guy who's, like, Anthro, like, he's a fox person <laughs> with a gun. <laughs> All right. So um, he's actually part of an expansion, but, like, the, there's just, like, like a huge variety of characters, and they have, like, these cool weapons and mm-hmm. uh, abilities that they can do, and um, they work together trying to defeat the bad guys. So, like, in the first scenario, you're trying to rescue, you a damsel in distress mm. and like you have good guys um you have bobbies on your side for mm-hmm. the police force yeah because it's like you know victorian london mm-hmm. so of course they're bobbies <laughs> instead of cops um and then like the bad guy has you know his main bad guys and some minions uh-huh. um and then you have like these little cards and you decide like the good guys decide like what order they're gonna go in mm-hmm. And there's like a a turn track and you put the cards face down and then the bad guy will add his cards in. And so turn order is based off of how you lay the cards down. Mm -hmm. So that's where some of the strategy comes in is you're trying to decide who you want to go first or what order you want your people to be able to go in. Um, Okay. And then as you play, like depending on how well you do, if the good guys win or the bad guys win, can affect the next scenario that you play in. Ooh. And then in, if you're doing campaign between each scenario um, there's like a intermission and that's where you can buy like upgrade cards or upgrade abilities and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's fun. So it adds some cool elements to it. Yeah. The theme's pretty cool. It's Another tile based game. So uh, the scenarios determine, like, how you set up the tiles and where everybody starts. And then you kind of decide from there. And then, you know, everybody's got abilities and you roll dice to see if you, like, hit or miss or block or the different abilities are that you can do. Mm-hmm. So it's very cool. Yeah. I love the theme so much.
1: Yeah, that seems like a really fun. Theme. I like the sound of that one. It's uh, it seems like right up my alley. Kind of steampunky, Victorian, mm. and there's supernatural. A lot of
0: <laughs> expansions too, and like there's expansions that expand like uh, scenarios and tiles. Mm-hmm. There's and they add more bad guys, and then there's uh expansion packs for heroes that you can have different types of heroes added to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, the fox guy. There's actually another world of spa game and it's like on her majesty's service and like there's four characters in that game and i, I won't talk about that game because it's a completely different game but like the fox guy is from that game because it's part of the same universe uh, but it's just a different type of game yeah
1: okay so that's they did a, like a little mini crossover in their games that's cute yeah Yeah,
0: so the world of Smog is like the universe, and then Rise of Moloch is this type of game, and then Honor, Majesty, Service is a different type of game. And I don't know if they plan on expanding on that universe or not, but it's a cool universe with the the stuff that they do have out right now.
1: Yeah, that seems really fun. That's like I said, it's definitely something that I feel like is up my alley that I should look into. Yeah.
0: It's got like all your favorite stuff yeah it's got supernatural steampunk Victoria era like what can go wrong I know.
1: nothing it's so fun everything you could
0: possibly wish for is there <laughs> and I think they're called like the gentleman's Club or something like that wow. <laughs> the good guys it's cute but there are ladies
1: there's ladies
0: so too it's not it's, just it's men okay. there are lady characters you can play as I think. I think the ghost, the guy who can deal with spirits, I think his wife is a character and she's a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute. That's fun. Yeah, so you have, like, your strength and, like, ether that you can save up and, like, the bad guy uses the ether to unleash or, like, power some of their baddies and do different abilities and... I don't know. It's... It's it's another one of those things where I think it's better with at least three people Mm -hmm. as far as like the good guys, so you have somebody you can collaborate with. Yeah. But you can play with just two people.
1: So Okay. The world of smog. The world of smog. It's getting smoggy up in here. (laughs) Yes. So those were just some uh some co-op team-based traitory kind of one versus many games. Uh, in the uh, spooky variety.
0: Spooky.
1: <laughs> and we'll end with another spooky fact. What you got, Ricky?
0: Well, there was once a chicken called mike it was mike the headless chicken and he was a cockerel that lived for 18 months after his head had been cut off so that's pretty interesting
1: that is interesting. I... Just has
0: uh, head like a running around with your chicken or running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Cut off. This one took it a little too literally.
1: <laughs> a year and a half with no head.
0: Ugh. But hey,
1: he did it. He did it. Somehow.
0: <laughs> Good job, Mike.
1: Good job, Mike. Well, until next time. Keep it spooky. <laughs> Bye! Bye!